day. And thanks for checking in on the latest on what's going on at Journey Church. Our prayer is that today's teaching will inspire you and ultimately draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus. So no matter what you're doing, relax and enjoy this next message. Say good morning. It is good to have each and every one of you here. Uh, if you're a guest with us, we love the fact that you're spending some time with us this morning. You could have spent it anywhere, and you're here at Journey Church. I'm Ryan. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you. Would you please welcome to the stage your guest speaker and pastor for today, Pastor Stan Holder. I'm going to talk to you about surviving life storms. We all go through them. And I'll be looking at different portions of Acts chapter 27. I won't be reading all of that, but I'll be looking at different portions or verses in that chapter. And let's just start with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your word. One more time, God, as I come to your sacred pulpit, I do ask this question, this favor of you, Father. And I do pray, God, that the Spirit of the Lord who inspired the writing of the word would today anoint the preaching of the word and anoint the hearing of the word. Do your work in our hearts and our lives, Father. We thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. A little bit of a backdrop to what's going on today in Acts 27. Paul is on his way to Rome in order to, first of all, escape an assassination attempt by the Jews, and then also to go and to stand trial before Caesar. And that story starts in Acts chapter 25. Well, on his way, uh, on his journey to Rome, Paul encounters a storm at sea. And as we look at that experience, there are several principles that we can learn from Paul's experience about surviving life's storms. First of all, we would be wise to be like Paul, and realize that our journey will be filled with storms. Jesus warned us about that. Jesus warned that we will experience storms in life. In John 16, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulations. He didn't say it's going to be a cakewalk. He didn't say everything's going to be easy and wonderful. If you trust in me, you'll never have a problem. You'll never experience difficulty. Jesus did not say that. He let us know ahead of time, in this life you are going to have storms. He did promise, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world, but he warned us as well, you're going to have some storms that are going to have to be endured, and I will help you go through those. Peter also cautioned us to expect storms. In 1 Peter 4, he says, Beloved, do not think it a strange thing concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. I get the feeling he was talking to Christians who were bewildered about, hey, why am I going through this trouble? I thought if I believed in Jesus, everything would be rosy. It would always be wonderful. Why are there clouds in my horizons? In my horizon, why are, there, why are all these troubles coming my way? And they were perhaps questioning God. And he's saying, wait a minute, why do you act like that's something strange? We all go through those things. A life full of stormy trials is not uncommon. What would be uncommon for the Christian is a life without any storms. So when you're going through a storm, a difficulty, a hard time, don't think, oh, something's wrong with my life. I must have made a mistake. God must have lost control. Something's going wrong. I must not be where I should be. I must not have enough faith. None of that is true. Storms come our way. Faith doesn't prevent storms. Faith helps us navigate storms. And keep our faith in the Lord. Secondly, some storms are worse than others. Back in our text, chapter 27, verse 14, the author says, A tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon. Verse 18, it says, 
when we were exceedingly tempest-tossed. This was no small storm. This was uh, larger-than-usual storms. A Euroclidon is the same as what we call a hurricane today. So this small wooden ship is in the midst of a hurricane at sea. This is a common storm during the autumn on the Mediterranean Sea, and the experienced sailors, when they started on this journey, thought that whatever might come their way, they would be able to handle the weather during that season. You know, some people think they can handle anything that comes their way. They think they're macho men, they're really tough, they can do everything, they've got all the faith in the world, and they just think they can handle everything. But some of life's storms are simply too much for any of us to handle without God's help. And we need to realize that. Thirdly, the storms of life make spiritual progress slow and difficult. I like to get things done. I like to have an agenda. My wife and my family make fun of me because I even have an agenda for my downtime. I even schedule my downtime. What, what portion of what day I can relax and be flexible. The rest of it's all planned out. And when my agenda gets messed up, I call that a storm. Because it slows down the stuff I wanted to get done. I have, a, I have an agenda. I want to get things accomplished. But storms make progress slow and difficult. It stops everything. Verse 7 and verse 8. We sailed slowly with difficulty. The wind not permitting us to proceed. I hate it when something doesn't let me go forward. Passing with difficulty. We came to fair havens. So life is altogether different when you're in the middle of a storm. The winds of life are contrary to faith in Christ. Verse 4 says, the winds were contrary. We've got to realize, as you're living for Jesus, you're always going into a headwind. You're always swimming upstream. You're always going against the current. And as Christians, we are sailing against contrary winds of popular opinion, accepted norms, and political correctness. There's a lot of headwinds, storms that we will all face as Christians, or at least we should be facing these. One is abortion. That's now we, th we can thank the Lord that it's starting to change with the recent activity in southern states where they're banning abortions. We should all be praising God. But we also need to realize there's going to be a real big storm coming for America. And if you take a stand for life, you're going to be in the middle of a storm. Homosexuality and gay marriage gender identity. Churches are needing to, having to deal with this in their churches these days. My wife showed something to me a couple of months ago I thought was very funny. Now we're dealing with age identity. I can really understand that one. There's a man who was suing the state to identify as a 40-year-old. He was 60, but he said if you can change your identity sexually, you should be able to change your identity by age. And he says, I identify as a 40-year-old, not a 60-year-old. And he explained, I identify as a 40-year-old because as a 60-year-old, I can't get a job. But as a 40-year-old, I can. So I should be able to put on the application 40 because that's how I identify. People don't even know who they are these days. When we are in a storm, the main goal is survival. Verse 16, this is what they're struggling with. They're not worried about making progress there. They're not worried about keeping a time schedule. They're not worried about reaching their de de destination in time. 
verse 16, we secured the ship with difficulty. Verse 17, they used cables to undergird the ship. Sailors, when they came into a storm, these small wooden ships, they would throw a cable off one side. They would run it underneath the hull of the ship, bring it up the other side, and undergird the hull of the ship with these cables, which kept it from falling apart in the storm and helped them to endure the storm. The cables they used to undergird the ship, they called helps. And the sailors would say, get out the helps. Wrap the ship in the helps. You read about this again in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. That's the sailor's turn for those cables. Find help in time of need. When you're going through a storm, God wraps his grace and his mercy around your life. He undergirds you with the cables of grace so that when you go through the storm, you will not fall apart. You will survive. You will get through the storm. When you're in a storm, this is the hard one for many of us to deal with, probably the hardest one for most of us. When you are in a storm, you are not in control. And that's a tough one. Verse 15 says, so when the ship was caught in the storm, we let her be driven. Didn't matter what the compass said or the sextant said or what, you know, where they intended to go. They had to go where the storm was taking them. And that's a hard thing. Sometimes you get involved in a situation where you had your plans, but you can't go that direction. Things have changed where you're headed and what's going on. And you are not in control when the storms come. It's hard to realize that you can't always change your circumstances. You can't make people do what they should do. Isn't that frustrating? You have to come to realize that you're just going to have to trust the outcome of the storm to God. It's beyond your control. You can't manipulate. You can't navigate. You can't control. You can't change. You can't make anything. That's helpless feeling. But you've got to trust God. You can't stop and get off the ship. It's too late to change course. You just have to keep going and trust God with the outcome. God, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I thought I knew. I thought I had it all planned out. My plans are a wreck. I don't know what's going to happen. So Jesus, in the middle of this storm, all I know to do I'm just going to trust you, Jesus, and see where you take me. When you go through a storm, there's always a danger of loss. Verse 9 and verse 10. Sailing was now dangerous. Paul advised, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. You ever notice that things could go wrong? Don't you hate it when somebody tells you that? You know, it might not work. Don't you just hate that person? It could go wrong. You know what? It could go wrong. As a matter of fact, I've learned in life, some things just plain will go wrong. You're going to have those times when it didn't go right. It didn't turn out the way you planned. It went all the wrong direction. And it frustrates us because we can't make it go right. We can't keep it from going wrong. But this is where you have to get your theology checked. When everything has gone wrong... God is still right. God is still right. It seems like everything's out of control, but God is still in control. We have to realize that. And we may suffer loss in some storms. You might go through some situations and you will experience loss, even as a believer in Jesus, even as someone who loves the Lord with all of your heart. 
with good intentions, doing the best you can. You're going to go through some situations, and you're going to be the loser. They lost their cargo. They lost a lot of money on that voyage. They lost their ship, but they didn't lose their lives. You might lose some things, but you won't lose you. You won't lose your salvation. You won't lose your relationship with Jesus. As a matter of fact, your relationship with Jesus will probably improve when you trust him through the storm. You might lose some things, but you'll still be okay in the end. When people are in a storm, they're often persuaded by the wrong people. I think this is ironic, funny, sad altogether. Because people who should know what to do don't always make the right decisions. Verse 11, the centurion, the man who's in charge of the journey, getting Paul to where he's supposed to go, was persuaded by the helmsman of the ship and the owner of the ship and not by Paul. He's just a preacher. What does he know? He'd been on a few ships a few times. He'd been in a few shipwrecks before. He's been a night and a day in the sea before. Paul was an experienced person on the ships. He knew what could go wrong. And the people who knew they should not have set sail, that made the decision to set sail anyway. And majority is not always right. Have you figured that out already? Verse 12, it actually says that. The majority advised to set sail. The old preacher said, we shouldn't do this. But they took a vote. And everybody else said, nah, we're going to go. And sometimes the people who should know what they're doing make the wrong decisions. And the majority taking a vote doesn't always come up with this is the right thing to do. And the, compl- the complicated part for us is you may not have agreed with the decision. Paul didn't agree. Paul said, no, nah, we ought to stay right here. And you may not have agreed with the decisions and actions of others. But there you are, stuck in the same storm. Sometimes somebody else is going to put you in a storm. Somebody you trusted, somebody you were in the same situation with, decisions they made made your life worse. It doesn't help you get through the storm by blaming them. You just have to trust God to get you through the storm. Number seven, people who are with us in the storm may give up hope. Verse 20, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. God, I can't see any daylight. There's no light at the end of my tunnel. I don't see any hope. It's just... It seems like a hopeless situation, God. When neither sun nor the stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Everybody on the boat thought they were going to drown. There was no hope for anybody anywhere except for some preacher down in the bottom part of the boat. Those people gave up on the boat's ability to withstand the storm. I could hear them saying now, you know, this ship's going to sink, we're going down. I've heard people say that about a church. Oh, this church ain't going to make it. They told me that about my church. (laughs) When I was pastoring, I had people tell me that. I heard people tell me I wasn't going to make it. They'll give up on the, they gave up on the sailor's ability to take care of the boat. I've noticed that people in the church will give up on the board, the people they elected to serve. And when the difficult times come, they'll somehow give up on the board. They might even give up on the pastor. We have to realize sometimes the best that good, good people can do is not enough. 
They are good people. They love the Lord. They're doing the best they know how to do. But you know what? Sometimes we all need divine intervention. And there's no substitute for God showing up on the scene and God getting us through it all. Not only did Paul need God's help, the helmsman needed God's help, the owner of the ship needed God's help, the centurion needed God's help, the sailors needed God's help. We all are in the same boat. We all need God's help if we're going to get through it. Sadly, these folks even gave up on God. All hope to be saved was given up. Some people leave the church when the storms come. Some people are less storm-worthy than others. They're fair-weather Christians. They'll hang in there with us as long as everything is going good, but the first time a problem pops up, they start missing church. We must continue to trust God even when other people have given up hope and left the church. Chances of survival are much better in the ship than in the sea. Some of the folks... If you read that account, we're going to jump overboard to try to save themselves. And Paul says, man, you can't do that. You have no hope if you jump overboard. There's more hope for survival in the ship than in the sea. And there's much more hope for survival in the church than in the world. Number eight, God will stand by us and give us assurance in the midst of every storm. Verse 23 and 24. Paul says this, there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong. And whom I serve. And he said to me, you don't need to be afraid of anything. Listen, you got to get that part. I don't care how fierce the storm. I don't care how bad things have gotten. I don't care how many mistakes people have made. I don't know how difficult the situation is. you got to get this into your heart. You don't need to be afraid of anything. Because God is with you. The God whom you serve. The God to whom you belong. God is in the ship with you. You don't have to be afraid, even of the worst storm. When you're caught in a storm of life, you simply must know to whom you belong. You've got to know. Life is awful. The situation is terrible. I can't see any hope. But this one thing I do know, I have trusted Jesus as my Savior. God is in this with me. God's going to take care of me. And I don't need to be afraid. I don't care how violent the storm. I don't need to fear anything. When you're caught in the storm of life, you've got to know who you're serving. And if you're serving Jesus, you're going to be okay. We simply need to believe God during the storm. Verse 25 says this. Paul said, take heart. The storm is still raging. The ship is still being tossed back and forth. You can still hear the wood creaking and you think it's going to snap. But Paul said this. Take heart. <laughs> Sounds funny, doesn't it? Everyone's about to jump overboard. They think the ship is going over. The waves are bigger than the ship. And Paul says, take heart. I believe God. That it will be just as God told you. You got to hear from God. You got to hear from God in the middle of your storm. And when you hear from God, you can take heart. It's going to be all right. You see, sometimes God calms the storm. Remember the story on the Sea of Galilee? The apostles were in the little boat with Jesus. A storm came up. They were all afraid. And Jesus stood up and said, peace be still. And the waves were calm. Funny. The apostles were still shook up. <laughs> but the sea was calm. 
In this case, the apostle is very calm, though the sea is still raging. Sometimes God calms the storm. And sometimes God calms you in the middle of your storm. Now, you may have to get rid of some things that are weighing you down. Verse 38, it says, they lightened the ship. They threw out the wheat. We may have to decide what our priorities are. There might be some things that you thought were really very important. And it's not that they're not important, but they're not the most important thing. And you might have to change your priorities when you go through a storm. Matter of fact, prosperity may have given you the wrong priority. And you might need a storm just to get some of that stuff out of your life. Because without a storm, you'll hold on to stuff that's not necessary. That's really making your life worse. So sometimes a storm is God sent just to get rid of some of those things that we don't need. But I will tell you this. No matter what else you do, you will have to get down on your knees and pray. Verse 29 says, they dropped four anchors from the storm and we prayed. (laughs) It's not just Paul praying now. Everybody on the ship is having a prayer meeting because nothing else is working. There's going to come a time when the only thing that's going to work, the only thing that will get you through, is you get on your face before God. Say, oh God, if you don't help me, I'm a goner. I can't fix it. I don't know what to do, Jesus. I need you, Lord. And we need to keep taking our spiritual nourishment in Christ. Verse 34, take nourishment, for this is your survival. See, they could have survived the storm and died of starvation. Been days without eating. Got to eat. You got to drink something. See, the temptation when you're in a storm is to let that storm keep you from going to church. Oh, I'd go to church. I'm just too upset. Dummy, go to church. Staying out of church ain't going to make it better. What's the matter with you? Get in the church. Stay in the church. Don't let heartache and disappointment and difficulties keep you out of God's house. The temptation is to quit going to church and quit praying and quit reading your Bible. But the truth is spiritual nourishment is essential to spiritual survival. You need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You need to be around fellow believers. You need to be in church. You need to be praying around the altars. You need to be worshiping the Lord with other believers in Jesus. You need all that. Lastly, we need to remain thankful to God even before the storm ends. Don't wait. Don't say, you know, God, when this storm is over, I might find some reason to thank you. Verse 35. During the storm, Paul took bread and he gave thanks to God in the middle of the storm in the presence of them all. Haven't you seen those believers who go through the most horrific of times and yet you see them still being full of faith and gratitude and giving thanks to God and you say, how can you thank God for what you're going through? And that's what Paul did here. He gave thanks in the middle of the storm. You see, it's one thing to survive the storm. It's another thing to survive the storm with the right attitude. And the right attitude is gratitude, not bitterness, not resentment, not anger. You see, criticism, negativity, and complaining 
are never encouraging to anyone. But gratitude, thankfulness to God, faith in the Lord is always encouraging. Verse 35, it says, Paul gave thanks. Verse 36, then they were all encouraged. They were all in the same storm, and they were all encouraged by Paul's faith and Paul's gratitude. When you stay faithful, when you keep a thankful heart, you encourage people and you don't even know you did just by staying faithful and staying thankful. You may be in a storm. Storms come to all of us, whether we're a Christian or not. But the Lord helps his children through every storm. So whether you're in a storm or not, you still need Jesus. Don't wait. in a storm. Things aren't so good. Things are tough. I need some help. Yes. You need Jesus. Let's all stand. 